Hi there, and welcome to the Women's Room Legal Division podcast. Here you'll find conversations with fabulous women working in the law about their careers, challenges they've faced, as well as some live coaching around a specific issue. You'll also find some sessions with me alone, dealing with topics that come up regularly when I coach that I hope you'll find helpful. Enjoy this episode. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Helen Burton, currently London managing partner of international law firm Ashurst. Full disclosure, Helen and I have known one another for a very long time. She was my trainee in New York when she first started out on her legal journey at A&O. And then I was lucky enough to move with Helen in the next couple of career moves that we both made. But I'll let Helen introduce herself and tell you some more about her amazing career. Over to you, Helen. Thank you very much, Erica. And it's a real pleasure to be here this afternoon. So yeah, I'm a lawyer and I have been working in city law firms for over 30 years, the last 31 years. I am, as you said, I'm a partner at Hurst. I'm based in the London office and I have been based in London throughout my career, apart from a brief stint with you in New York, but I was only there as a trainee. And I have spent the last 22 years at Ashurst. I have been a partner here for 22 years. I've had the privilege of doing various leadership roles while I've been here, as well as be working as a transactional lawyer. I've worked in diversity. I've worked in the graduate recruitment with the graduate recruitment team. And then for eight years, I was privileged enough to sit on the global executive team as well with different leadership roles. And since May, I've stepped back from the executive team and I'm now the London office managing partner. Thank you. And and just for so people understand a bit about your practice. What what sort of area of law do you practice in? I am a finance lawyer and I specialise in acquisition finance or leverage finance, which is basically just acting for lenders or borrowers in connection with M&A transactions, generally private, but also public. Okay, but quite high pressure, quite sort of fast paced. It's Yes, it's a transactional role as opposed to an advisory role. So I would always liken it to when you're talking to juniors about which way they want to focus, it's whether you're the person who would do your essays when you're at university the night before they were due in, then you're probably a transactional lawyer. Okay. Yes, I think we're both familiar with that feeling. Um, And tell me a little bit about life outside of work. Um, Outside of work, I am married. I have two children, two boys, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old. I actually had my children... Probably a bit later. I think I was definitely counted as a geriatric mother. We technically. <laughs> technically. Um, and, but that was not through design. It was through just how life had come along. And I moved outside of London about six years ago, and I'm still getting used to the idea that I commute. I'm not very good at making the trains on time. Okay. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, so this podcast is sort of focused on coaching. It'd be great to know. If you've ever had coaching, if you have, when you had it, what it felt like, what key issues did you deal with and and was it useful for you? I have had coaching. I have had, I would say, three different coaches through my career thus far. I had first, the first coaching I came across was paternity coaching. And then, which was just before I left for parental leave with my first child. And then, as I said, I've had two different career coaches throughout the rest of my career, but that was a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would say that the, the the most fulfilling coaching that I've had has been when you have a bit of a clearer idea of what you're looking 
to get out of it rather than the maternity coaching. I feel that I didn't get as much out of that as I should have done because it felt a little bit prescriptive. Every single senior female going on parental leave got the coaching. So I felt a little bit like it was a tick the box exercise rather than actually what I should have done in retrospect is sort of grasped the opportunity and really thought about what I wanted to achieve when I came back and actually during my parental leave as well. Okay. Did it help at all? Because I've always been quite keen for people to have coaching when they go, go off on maternity or paternity leave, just to give them a bit of space to think on their journey back into the office about how's it going, feel like there's someone supporting them, they've got someone to talk through how they're feeling. Did it help from that point of view at all or not? Didn't sound like not really. It didn't really. It felt, it, it was useful. It was absolutely useful. It was absolutely useful from the perspective of sort of understanding issues you face when you come back to the workplace, having been off for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think it was useful, but I don't feel that I got the best out of it because as I said, I, it felt as though it was generic rather than personalized. Okay. But again, not a criticism of the coach. I think that was probably my reception to it. Before I went on parental leave, I had no idea what it was going to, obviously nobody has any idea before the first child of, of what's going to hit you. And then when I was coming back into the workplace, it felt as though I was just struggling to keep my head above water. And to some extent, the coaching felt as though it was something else on my to-do list rather than Mm -hmm. something that could actually help me reduce my to-do list. Okay. And just looking back at that period about coming back in after having had a baby, have you got any, what what would be your advice to someone doing that? Is there any, have you got any top tips? I think The workplace is changing a lot, actually, to make it easier. And here we have uh, parental leave is offered to all staff and the number of men who are taking it up is is just fantastic. Mm. And so actually, I think that's one of the big societal changes that's going to make parental leave and returning after parental leave much easier for everybody because there's more and more people have been through that. I mean, I think that what happened when I came back to the office was the horrible, horrible matters that I had handed over for someone to cover, sort of were sitting on my desk waiting for me on my first day back. The ones where I might have, which were maybe nicer clients, didn't seem to come back to me ever. And I didn't feel confident enough in my voice to go and ask for them to come back to me. So it was one of those typical, probably lose-lose situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to think about, you know, I was a partner when that all happened. So people often think, yes, it's, a, you know, it's hard to associates coming back and senior associates and it absolutely is but it's also really hard for partners it's hard yeah. for partners to give up things and then hard for them to come back yeah um, and and wrestle things back as well yeah okay so be a bit more demanding have a louder voice about you know getting back your nice clients and your nice matters and then anyone who's listening obviously Ashurst offering parental leave to men and women is amazing because I think that is the change we need to you know, we'll have a whole different generation of, of of boys and girls growing up with fathers just as involved as mothers in terms of childcare. So it's a it's an amazing thing that they've done. So let's hope more people take it up. So so tell me a bit more about other times that you've had coaching and what you've covered. So when I first had coaching, which I think from memory was when I'd first joined the executive team. And so that was it was very much around, and again, it was something that was offered to me rather than me asking for it. Although I think I 
definitely need, needed it or wanted it. And I would always encourage anyone, if you're offered coaching, even if you don't think you need it at that time, oh. uh, well, and as I've just talked about with the parental legal coaching, it was always go in with a positive mindset. So it was really very interesting thinking about, yeah, as I transitioned to senior management, it was a big step change in management responsibility. It was a big step change just thinking about a law firm, not so much as a as a platform for me to be a lawyer, but as a big international business. And also, I think one of the other things, and I don't know if it's sort of the imposter syndrome or many of the things that a lot of people struggle with, actually coaching for me helped me to stop being so concerned about how I felt and thinking about my internal perception and my internal security, but actually thinking about the image that you want to project to people and how you can come across your leadership shadow, I think mm-hmm. is the, maybe the easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and any particular, any particular nuggets that you took away, took away from that about how to think about yourself as a leader rather than worrying about internally how you were feeling about it, like how, how to cast the right shadow. And I don't know whether it came from that, that coach or if it just came actually more from observing other members of the executive team. One of the things I've always done throughout my career is look at other people, often people who are more senior in their role. And I've had so many people, you included, but many, many people who have really helped me throughout my career. And it's looking at people, that observation piece, mm-hmm. and thinking about things that I think work well. And actually also you see things that don't work well and you just think that's not something that I'm going to put into my toolkit because it just is grating. And then things that you see that other people do that work well, but you also know will not work for you because you mm-hmm. have to be authentic. You know, everyone's just like thinking your authentic self to work. So I think that, so whether it actually came from the coaching, whether it came from observing people, but I think the always remembering to take that step back. And I think it's particularly important when you're in that management role to sort of, again, look at things much more holistically, try and have a bit of empathy, think about how things will land with different people at different levels across the organization and just just take some time to consider rather than just launching in with a response very quickly. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, obviously it's important to have your own style, I would say, but I think it can be really helpful to look at the approach of others and take elements of what works, what doesn't work, and then you develop your own your own yeah. style. Yeah, that's such such great advice. I mean, it's interesting about the business aspect of law firms, isn't it? Because we, when you're a lawyer in a law firm as a junior lawyer, you're just well, you're trying, you're getting on with the technical job of learning, you know, how to do the work you've got to do. And then as you get more senior, you sort of get introduced to client relationship and trying to win business and develop those relationships. But that we never really get much grounding in running a business or setting a strategy or how you deal with the peer. Or even, I think there are more management programs nowadays and more leadership programs, but that thinking about the law firm as a business isn't something that's really focused on very much in law firms nowadays. I don't know if you've ever come across any if you've ever been part of any helpful programs that have made you look at it as a business or if you've just learned on the job? It was more learning on the job, I would say. But I also think, you know, once you start looking at the numbers and the figures and, and, and seeing people who are very, very good at, their, at running a 
it as a business, mm-hmm. you know, and, and stop feeling so defensive. I, I, I would always feel defensive if my practice group wasn't somewhere doing really well. And it's like, no, it's not personal. This is a business and we're just looking at everything. I, I think that the other thing that law firms still don't do as well as we could do would be um, the, the sort of people side, i.e. accepting that some people are better at people management, some people are better at expertise, some people are better. Mm. Everyone has a different skill set, mm. but we expect the partnership to be able to do everything. And there's no sort of pointing different people towards different areas of where they're just more natural. You're just expected to be able to do everything. And it actually means that, yeah, it's just, it's such a flat structure, mm-hmm. which I think is great. And obviously it's a partnership. It has to be a flat structure. But I think that we are not very good law firms in general. When I think about all my other places I've worked, it's not very good at making sure that on the soft skill side, people are pivoting towards where their natural skill set falls. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like every lawyer wants to be A plus in every single bit, potential bit of their role, but clearly that's, you know, that's never going to be you. You're not going to be good at sport and amazing at music and amazing, incredible at maths, unless you're very, very lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, it'd be interesting for lawyers to get a bit more comfortable with accepting that some people can be brilliant at something that they're not so good at and to embrace it. Um, and pull them in to be part of your team rather yeah. than just thinking that, you know, that that's the whole point, isn't it? You should be building a team with a diverse skill set and finding people who complement you rather than feeling a failure because you're not as good as they are at X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I also think, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed as I've become more senior after sort of thinking about it as an executive role is talking to our clients actually peer-to-peer as as business, senior business leaders. Mm -hmm. And that's always really nice. So actually then you start talking to clients, but just about their strategy and our strategy and and where it's going and are we aligned and are the issues that we see coming down the road the same as the issues that they see coming down the road. Mm -hmm. So that has been really nice. And it's actually quite a good way to open up a different line of conversation. Yeah. So there's a whole aspect of being in a law firm that you probably wouldn't think is there initially, like the fact you are running this big business and you are just like any other big business. Okay. And then tell me about, I know you then had coaching again later in your career when you were looking at going for a role within the firm. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, no, I had coaching, I think more generally, more recently, um, but it was really helpful. So I stood to stood to be the, the global chair of Usher's a couple of years ago now, I think, and I didn't get the role. But what was really helpful for having, thinking through actually what I needed to do to better project in, in that role, if I had got the role, but actually more generally, you know, the, the whole thinking about that role actually is as valid in my role now as office managing partner. It's, it's helping focus on, I guess, what you've achieved rather than the inordinate focus sometimes on on missteps through career. And I think it's just sort of similar, I guess, to the the point I just made about looking at executives around the table. And the, the executives that sit around our table are not all lawyers at all, but having that, taking a step back and having a more holistic view and actually trying to remember that about yourself as well on taking a step back and remembering that there are positive things and not just focus on the negative things. We all have our inner self-critic, don't we, who can become louder and louder and louder. Mm -hmm. And it's just remembering actually 
don't even need to turn that down. Just turn the volume up um, with respect to the, what you have achieved in your career as well. So it's, and I often think of it as actually being a bit self-obsessed, which you think of as a negative. And so in a way that makes it easier for me to stop myself doing it because talking about being self-obsessed makes it feel as though it's a bad thing to do rather than sort of me just not being able to silence that inner critic. Okay, so so are you in the, if you if you let your inner critic go, you're being effectively a bit self obsessed. You're you're sort of you're indulging yourself with your inner critic. Okay. Yeah, even though it doesn't feel like you're indulging because it's not a voice that you yeah. want to hear. Yeah, um, okay, but it is that. Yeah, it's... how do you remind yourself about your achievements and what you're good at? How do you make sure you do balance it on the other side? I think well, I've got actually, and my coach, I've got a word cloud which is stuck up over my in my office. And so that is, which was sort of trying to bring together all the things that you have achieved. And I think that's brilliant. And it sounds so silly, but it's such a fantastic visual aid. And, you know, and to get to the your cloud, then you have to go through and you write all the things that you're proud of. And, and, and obviously it's a longer list than you ever would have thought it would mm-hmm. be. So that I think is helpful. And I, you know, I think again, you're talking, you talked about your, Sleeping, sweeping generalizations about what lawyers are like. But I think lawyers do tend to be, you tend to be perfectionists. That's the nature of the job. You need to get mm-hmm. things right. And that perfection, in, perfection, however, is largely unachievable. So we tend to have that self-critical, I'm such a failure, if, if we sort of miss 1% rather than remembering that 99%. So as I say, having that visual and having to go through the process of, of actually thinking of all the things that you've achieved and not just in the office either I think is really really helpful yeah um, okay so yeah so and actually thinking about you know I, I didn't get the chair role and um, we have got a fantastic chair who's brilliant so but actually in my role now as office managing partner again I think coaching has helped me focus on what I want to achieve in that role mm-hmm. and you know still in relatively early days sort of haven't been involved for six months yet but thinking about what no, you know, there will be things that are problematic and there'll be hurdles as we're trying to achieve what I, I would like to. But again, I hope that the mindset of having a coach has made me realise, okay, so don't just give up, work around it, work, find a different work through and just keep on going. Excellent. Thank you. And yeah, I would encourage everyone who's listening to maybe just take a bit of time out and write down what you've achieved in life from the very small things to the much bigger things, but even the small things, write them down and have a look at them. And and I will look at whether I can post a list of many, many potential strengths on my website that you can have a play with where you can just go and tick what are your strengths. So then you can look and see just how many when you are really challenged to thinking about what's great about you, just how many you will actually tick. So I, I will put that up on my website so you can have a play with it. So then I think, Helen, we were going to talk about an issue that you, where you think coaching might have been useful for you but at this point at an earlier stage in your career rather than something you're grappling with currently. And I think we were going to talk about the decision around whether to stay in the law. So do you want to talk a bit about that and when you think it might have been most useful to have a bit of a coaching? And then we'll, we'll potentially go into a bit of a mini coaching session to talk about what you could have considered around this issue. So I think the the issue we we talked about was whether I should stay in law. And I think this is something I'm sure, I hope everybody questions and rather than just carries on regardless um, of of whether they're enjoying their chosen career or not. Um, 
but I I did not enjoy, say, my first two years post-qualification being a lawyer. I found it incredibly stressful. I found it incredibly no work-life balance. And I think that maybe things have changed now because people are more likely to have different careers throughout their lifetime. But at the time, there was no real suggestion that there was any alternative. It just felt as though you get on this hamster wheel at the beginning and that's it for the rest of your life until you retire. You, you were never even expected to move law firm, never mind change mm-hmm. career. And so I think that it would have been really helpful to have some coaching there because I think, and, and uh, you know, it, it, can, it can feel like this at different points in your career where you feel as though you have no choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think often people feel they don't have a choice because they are unable. It, again, it goes back to everything, doesn't it? Step back unable to step back and and think about what do you want to achieve with your life? What do you want to do? You know, it's not just the the money, but your work-life balance and how you see yourself five, 10, 20 years. And I feel that I never really went through that process. I felt I was looking back, I feel that I was very miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I ever had a conversation about exploring other opportunities. When did it, Which when is did, slightly ironic when the people I lived with who were the same level as me both ended up leaving law. Okay. And, and when did it stop being miserable for you? Don't say never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have definitely been, you know, there are definitely miserable times all the way through. Mm-hmm. But I think probably post the first two years, I think the first two years of qualification, mm-hmm. I think the first two years of partnership were pretty miserable. And maybe it's just that not really knowing, not feeling that you're in the right role. Yeah. And, but feeling a bit, as I say, hamster on a wheel, but sort of stressed by the level of responsibility you, you perceive that you have, which, you know, continues all the way through your career, I, I found. Yeah. So um, I guess coming right out of your comfort zone is part of it. And then obviously stress, you know, we know people can have different reactions to stressors. Some people can get very stressed by them and some people can manage them well. And as we get older, we we manage them better. I mean, well, let's just take you back to like two or three years in. If you just imagine yourself then, and say mm-hmm. we were we were talking then and I'm your coach. So you'd have told me you're feeling really unhappy. You're not enjoying your job. You're paid very well, but you don't have very good work-life balance. So I guess I'd say, what would I say? I'd probably say, um, can you, have you got to a point where you would consider giving up this career? Have you ever thought about giving up this career and doing something different or doing it in a different environment where the demands aren't as great? I, I felt as though, I don't know why I felt it, but I felt as though it was law or nothing. Mm-hmm. I, and maybe it's because I did a law degree. So you sort of been thinking about being a lawyer from the age of 18, you know, you finally achieved it. You're at a magic circle firm and it would feel like a, a huge failing to admit that it's it's not all that you thought it would be cracked up to be. But the, the irony, so I can remember, I may have told you this story before, I can remember going into work and I used to get the tube from Victoria Tube Station and there was always a homeless person sitting outside, usually having drunk quite a lot, but sort of 8.30 in the morning. And every morning I would walk past saying, you're so lucky. You're so lucky you don't have to go and do what I have to do today. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and that was it. There was the, to me, there wasn't anything between. It was either I'd be sitting outside Victoria Tube Station, sort of drinking cans of Stella, or I was working in a Magic Circle law firm. And it was very hard for me to even contemplate that there could be anything in between the two. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, Victoria Tube Station seemed a better option. And what was it? Do you think that was causing that level of unhappiness? Was it the was it the hours you were working? Was it people not being nice to you? Was it not knowing what you were doing? What was it, do you think? I think it was the pressure I was putting on myself mm-hmm. of feeling that you had to be perfect and had to, to do everything that you were asked to do, even if you weren't quite sure what you were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so that's so interesting. Because I guess the the good thing about that, obviously it's not a good thing per se, but the good thing about that is if it's the pressure you're putting on yourself, then there's something you can do about it to explore it. And where does that come from? Why are you doing it? And then can you control it? But we know, as you say, particularly a lot of people in the law do put enormous pressure on themselves. And then behavioral change is one of the hardest things to change and very hard to do on your own. So either usually what happens is a big life event happens and then people's perspective changes overnight. Or you have to continually work at, can you get that sort of self-pressure under control? I mean, do you think now looking back, there were alternatives? Were there other things you could have done? I mean, I, I'm sure there are hundreds of things to say that the people that I lived with, one went in-house, you know, was still a lawyer, but went in-house. Mm-hmm. One went, came ex- to expertise, actually went off to be a magazine editor and then came back to the law. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another friend not uh, is now a recruiting consultant in law but you know it wasn't even that you had to go and do something completely different there's so many areas that are tangential mm. that I could have done but at the time it was as though I just had blinkers on yeah had these blinkers on and I think that's the point isn't it when you're talking about making change happen without that seismic event actually often when you need that change happen it's a time when you're running yourself ragged and so the thought of having to do anything else to think about were when you're not at work and you're not stressing about work, which is like, just don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the great thing if you can have coaching is the biggest, I mean, probably the biggest advantage to coaching or the most important thing about it is it gets you away from your desk and away from the day job, away from the emails, away from the meetings, away from the pressure. If you can force yourself not to cancel the coaching session, it will hopefully just give you a bit of space and perspective. So it's it, it's an amazing thing to have, and if you if you're not having it with a professional coach, then finding some people, some you know your personal board of directors or people you can go and talk to in a bit more of a strategic way. He'll listen and reflect back, but not try and solve everything for you, but just listen to you and and let you work out for yourself what you need to do. But I think it sounds like that space would have been really really useful. I mean, the 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 failure of not continuing in the law how big an aspect would that have been of feeling like this was the path I set out on I went I did a law a law degree I went to law school I've got an amazing job even though you didn't think it was amazing but I've got a job in a great law firm changing and going and becoming a teacher or doing something completely different what would that have felt problematic for you then it was just never something that I thought was a practical practical option I don't know why Mm -hmm. you know again I look back at it and think, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, there was just this absolute, this is what I have to do. It was a bit like I was a Duracell bunny and I was being pointed, and other batteries are available, but I was being pointed towards this is your career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and somebody had wound me up and I just ran. And it was as though there was just no other alternative 
whatsoever. But I think exactly as you say, if I'd had an ability to step back, and it may well have been, you know, I've had a fantastic career in law, absolutely fantastic. I've been here for, not Ashes, but I've been a lawyer for 31 years. It's been great. And I, so I don't know whether I would have done, but maybe just talking to somebody would have helped me set some boundaries around, you know, work, work-life balance or the that inner critic who's always saying uh-huh. you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And I don't think anybody was getting coaching back then. And, you know, talk to your peers, but I just, it just felt as though, as I say, there's just no alternative. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting as well, that black and white thinking about either you're in a, in a magic circle law firm or you're outside the tube station drinking Stella. I mean, that's quite classic that I, people who come to coaching are very, and I am very black and white in my thinking. It's either I like it here or I have to leave. But there is a, there's, there's a massive gray that we can all explore, but sometimes we just need a bit of help exploring it and being open to explore it, not just reject it. So that I think don't, you know, just challenge yourself. Are you doing some black and white thinking? And then the other thing I would say to a lot of people nearly everyone I coach is having a mantra, which is it is just a job. When something big in your life happens with someone you love and that you're worried about, the job won't be important at all. You will run towards the person that needs your help. It is just a job. It's a huge part of your identity. It's a huge part of your daily life, but it is just a job. So I'd encourage everyone to to think about that. And in the scheme of things, you know, it's not the most important thing in your in your life. So so looking back on on if you were talking now to Helen when she was three years qualified, what would you say? I think the key thing, so I guess, believe in yourself. Um, others might look like they have all the answers, but they never do. And your voice is as important as anyone else, often who's talking too much. So I think that is just feeling empowered to express your views, um, which took me a long time. And still sometimes I, I find difficult. Focus on what makes you, I know, happy, fulfilled, contented, and try to make space for that in your life. Again, we all, I'm sure that everybody who's listening to this, you know, we all have very, very busy jobs, but it's finding that time. I mean, I absolutely wasn't finding that time at that beginning of my career. So finding time to to, to make space, space for something in your life that makes you happy, contented, is really, really important. And again, and I think it's that point we're talking before about thinking about your achievements, taking time to step back, think about your achievements and think about where you're heading. Going back to that, you know, you see the black or white. Actually, as you say, there are shades of grey and don't be frightened to divert if you feel the urge. And actually, if you divert, you can probably get back on track if you Mm. want to. You know, as I say, that... Often things can feel very binary. And then that's also the fear of making the decision because you don't know if you can get back to where you were if you make the wrong decision. Um, Whereas now I would say imperfect actions better than perfect inaction. You know, you just need to sometimes give it a go. It's taken me 31 years to work that out. (laughs) I love it. So imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. I love it. That's a fantastic mantra. So look, thank you so much, Helen, for taking the time and for being so open on the podcast. It's been lovely spending the time with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Before we leave this topic, Helen, can I just ask you 
Are you pleased that you stuck with it? Was it worth the pain at the beginning and the pain when you've been out of your comfort zone? Are you, are you pleased with where you've got to in terms of your career now? I, I think I've been so lucky with my career to have the opportunity to do lots of different things. And I said, you know, I've done lots of different roles at, at Ashurst and everyone has been a real privilege and really shown me a different aspect to, to what you can do as a lawyer. So I, I know I am really pleased, but I do think actually that's the most important thing. And it's what I would probably not have done in those two years when I was really, really miserable, which is being open, being inquisitive. Say yes when people ask you to do things and throw yourself in mm-hmm. because it, it just makes for a much more rewarding, fulfilling career. Yeah, and not and just not give yourself such a hard time, it sounds like. Be kinder to yourself. Yeah, and I think that takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's all for this episode of the Women's Room Legal Division podcast. If you liked this episode, do subscribe to the show and follow the Women's Room Legal Division on the links in the show notes. If you are or if you know an amazing woman in law who you think should be on this podcast, or if there are any specific coaching topics you'd like me to cover in my standalone sessions, please do get in touch using the contact me link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.